In touch with the ground, I'm on the hunt, I'm after you. Smell like a sound, I'm lost in a crowd, and I'm hungry like a wolf. Oh yeah, it's time for the podcast. My name is Tom, and I can now officially say that I've stayed on a mini golf course overnight. I also go by the name Mr. T. I'm half of a couple of putts, and still remain in the top five in the putt craft league. You can find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the Pink Putter at a coupleofputts.com and on social media at coupleputts. And I'm Pat, known world round as the Putting Penguin. Together with my friend Mandy, we run the Putting Penguin, which brings you never ending content across our website and social media outlets. Now I'm just happy that this tractor is back, baby. It's episode 23 of the podcast, and in case you're new to our wandering stylings, this is the third season of Holy Moly, two in the U.S. and one in Australia, where some form of our show will cover the highs and lows of each episode and give you some other mini golf tidbits along the way. And now, for a little news from the mini golf world, I turn it over to Pat. So last week, we wrapped up the Four Nations Cup on the Putt 18 map between the United States, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. Unfortunately, Team USA, which Tom and I were a part of, ended up in fourth place. But there was an upset upset on the top of the standings as Australia unseated the Putt 18 powerhouse New Zealand. So congratulations to them. And as we mentioned before, we're looking forward to the third season of the Putt 18 League, which starts next week. And hopefully some of us U.S. folks can crack the top five and take down that powerhouse New Zealand again. Matt Ansley, we're coming for you. Wait, I thought the highest score won. <laughs> we would do very well if that was the case. And now on to Holy Moly. While we're now halfway through the season, we'll still give you some general reminders on season three before we hit the recap. So first, there's eight competitors who go head-to-head in a bracket one-hole tournament, with each match held on a different hole. The episode winner takes home a gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at the super final for $250,000. And since you're still listening to us, don't forget to subscribe, give us a hole-in-one rating, and tell all your holy moly-obsessed friends and family about us. And with that, I'll turn it over to Tom for the holy moly scramble time. So we kick off the episode with our new favorite hole, Parkade, the pinball-themed hole, where we have Todd, who is from Upper Midwest, Wisconsin, and about 48 years old and loves pets, against Joyful Jenny, who's from California and is 33. Todd and Jenny both got really close to the cup on their putt through Parkade, but Todd is our first person to complete the obstacle He goes in two putts and doesn't get the penalty for falling in that Jenny got. He goes on to the next round. P.S. Love the red shoes, Todd. Our second hole is Puttasaurus, which I'll talk a little bit more in design time with Mr. T. We had Bouncy Barbara, who's 51, and a tennis pro against Pamela, who is a lawyer and 38. Barbara had the fall of the season in the mud, and unfortunately, she did not make the putt of the season to try to tie Pamela. She missed it over the berm. Pamela made it in two putts over on Puttasaurus and moves on to the next round. Our third hole is the fishing hole, and we have Eric, who is a zookeeper with a terrible nickname, Tasty Fingers, because who wants their hands bitten off at the zoo, against Amanda, who's a teacher who wants to go pro in mini golf. Probably talk about it later, but... Amanda might want to hold her day job as Eric finishes off the hole and two putts and advances to the next round. And we finish up the first round with Holy Matrimony, 
We have Eric, who's 48 and a CEO, against John, who's 30, who likes to wave to people and loves ranch dressing. Shout out to my former co-worker, Monica Nadal, who loves ranch dressing on everything. John also has the distinction of having the worst fall on Holy Matrimony and a pretty bad putt that ended up falling short. He lost after missing his fourth putt, and both of them went in the water. Eric, our CEO, moves on to the next round, and we're on to the second round. Turn it over to Pat. We start off the second round with King Parthur's Court and Todd versus Pam. Pam ends up on the wrong side of the sword, and so does Todd after one of the worst luck bounces we've seen on the show. Unfortunately, or fortunately for Todd, I guess, Pam misses a makeable third shot, which is a little bit sad because she made a really good shot to move into the second round. But hey, Todd take advantage of it. He moves on into the final. Second semifinal hole we have is hole number two, and it's the Eric versus Eric show. Eric P., our golf lifestyle CEO, gets trashed after a terrible first putt right into the water off of the dunnies or porta potties, depending on if you're American or Australian. And he takes a dip in the sludge. Meanwhile, our zookeeper, Eric S., sneaks by with his first putt, which looked like it should have gone into the water, Mm -hmm. and sets himself up for the win after a quick dunk himself. So in the final, we get the distractor back. And we have an all-animal fun final because we got Todd, the animal lover, versus Eric, the zookeeper. And from a distraction standpoint, it's a pretty good one as we go with some Chinese New Year celebrations. There's colors, sounds, tons of movement, excellent distractor. We show a couple shots from both of them. Eric shoots by on his first. Todd just kicks out, but he does not miss his second one. He becomes champ of this episode. So big animal roar to Todd the winner. And hence also why I started off the episode with the lyrics from Hungry Like a Wolf by the one and only Duran Duran. And so I guess we should jump into this still yet unnamed part of the show where we kind of talk about and recap what we liked, didn't like, and found curious. Yeah, it's the part of the season where I feel like the episodes might drag a little bit. We've now seen all the holes that I think we expect to see. Who knows? I'll talk about it a little bit later as far as the holes go. We're in that long middle, and we don't know what the finale is going to look like. And we're seeing a lot of repetitive cuts and quick cutaways. And someone's the blank of mini golf or the blank of golf. And in the intros, it does get a little long. That's not to say we don't like the episodes, but it's it's just the middle of the summer. Which I think that's the reason why a lot of the things I pointed out really boil down to Tess and Riggle and what they do, because I mean, that's their job carrying the show. So I love that it seemed like the theme of this particular episode was just merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. We had the curry bit. We had the Meister King beer bit with Riggle shotgun and beers, which just I was laughing so hard to start off the episode. I that loved was great. It. And it's ironic given that it took them until what? the beginning of this season to actually put out actual holy moly merchandise for us to buy which we spent more money than we probably should have but (laughs) hey curry sign me up for an air fryer one thing i wanted to point out on the play for this episode was todd from wisconsin joins rachel who's originally from saint paul as our second winner in five episodes from the upper midwest between minnesota and wisconsin it's like a Vikings Packer rivalry and you have the Bucks in the finals so Todd's Todd's got to be feeling pretty good right now and way to represent the upper Midwest I wish we would have done a little bit better but that was a little note that I saw 
Another thing that we've confirmed is this season is nine competitive episodes with those nine winners going to a single finale. We're not going to give away what the format is over there, and we have no idea if there are going to be any new holes. What we do know also, and we've mentioned before, is there is also a season four, and we've got no confirmation of whether they're just going to bleed into season four. It doesn't seem like it. I've been looking at weird websites for the last two years when Holy Moly's on to figure out, like, is it going to play this week? There's all these weird industry sites, and there's one that has episodes going into later September. So as far as we can tell, the finale might be mid-August, but it's possible it could be late September. They could just do a bunch of reruns, or they could get preempted by football, but that's holy moly. Maybe they don't want to run it against the Olympics in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. The other thing that really stuck out and Pat kind of covered is that on this episode, and maybe this goes back to what I was saying about kind of the long middle, it felt like there's some really bad putts. Like even Eric, the zookeeper, who got it passed on hole number two, the only reason he really didn't go out of bounds into the water, because he hit it way too soft. Like yeah. the other guy hit it a lot harder and he just happened to catch that edge and it helped him out. But Amanda's run on the second putt on the fishing hole, some of those putts, or specifically David's putt on Holy Matrimony, and then Pamela's third putt, which I think she had a really shocked look on her face on King Parther. Those those are really hard. Yeah, it's it wasn't the best putting episode to date. No, and Amanda's killed me because they did such a good setup of like, oh, you're going to use the the ramp. It's like, this is what makes mini golf. And then they mm-hmm. cut to the angle that she had. And I was like, no, don't use the ramp. You're never going to get it like that. And she clearly did not get it. I was like, uh, this would have been a good chance to kind of really showcase mini golf skills. And it ended up being more of a bit, which I mean, again, we talked about it's television. It happens. But uh, I just wish uh, she had made that a little bit. <laughs> more interesting in a positive way. <laughs> and I know that Pat's going to talk about the distractor here and I and just setting it up. It's really obvious how small the audience is at the distractor because they do all of these quick cuts and this framing and you can definitely tell that they're bringing in the audiences from previous seasons which they mention in the credit. So Fingers crossed, I might show up on an episode yet this year from being in the audience last year. But yeah, they're really small audiences, which Distractor looks really strange without like people crowding around the putting area. And yeah, I'll let I'll let Pat jump into it because the Distractor, of course, has been his jam throughout this podcast. Yeah, it would. It's such a great point because I think about my experience. There's just so many people, and you look here, and there's like. 10 people cheering them on as they step up and you just lose a little bit of that energy. But I love the bit that Tess and Riggle had where they were like, why are we watching the screen? The distractor is literally right behind us. And they turned around they're like, uh, screw this. We can't see anything. It was just, they've, it, their humor definitely carried it. But yeah, as I mentioned, I loved, I thought this was a really great distractor. Um, it follows the, the Aussie season, I think had some really good ones. So it'd be interesting to see if it pops up again what else they have for the rest of the season. So I like how that played. And I guess we'll just move right into the putting penguin power rankings for our winners now. So we're up to five. I slotted Todd in as my fourth. So the quick rundown, and we had Jose, Blake, 
Biggie, and then Todd and Rachel. And so Todd managed to conquer one of the, the obstacles, as Tom mentioned. So that's a big positive. But in the putting, eh, overall, I don't think it was actually too bad. He got a really bad mm-hmm. break on, on King Parthur. So in an episode where there was some pretty terrible putting, his, I guess, above average stood out and carried him mm-hmm. to the win. But I think that's going to be difficult when he's up against some folks who've clearly demonstrated good putting. Although, again, as you've mentioned, we have no idea what the final is actually going to present in terms of holes. I feel like there's not as much separation as there was last year. There were putters last year like May and Chelsea and David and even Tanner that had a really strong golf background that you could kind of tell through social media and all of that. I mean, even some of the people that were getting beat, like Aaron from O Street was getting beat by someone who had some really great putting in Mallory. So, you know, it's hard to get a sense of how things are going to shake out. But why don't I jump into the whole story and so far in season three, and this is kind of where I talk a little bit about what we're seeing on the holes and I'm not seeing anything new in the establishing shots, but what we have is five episodes, 14 holes that we've seen so far, and the new one, The Distractor, we already mentioned. Parkade was the only obstacle that was completed for the first time on this episode and was the only obstacle that could be completed that was completed. Donut Hole, Holy Matrimony, Hole Number 2, Fishing Hole, and The Pecker have still not been completed. And as far as we know, because of what they've shown, the distractor hasn't been aced either. So that would be sort of like the beating of the obstacle on that one. I don't know if if we really include that, but as I've mentioned before, you can't finish on Puttasaurus. It's just a race. And we'll talk about that more as well as on the Agony of Defeat, where you also, it's it's a measuring contest. It's not a hole where one person wins versus the other. And the only other thing that... I find weird, and they did it again. King Parthur's court, they're sitting side saddle. The one episode where it was defeated, where Rachel, who was our episode winner, won it, she was sitting on it forward. She's the only person that completed it, but also had the distinction of sitting on it forward. So that is just strange that they've mixed it up so often. Do we take bets? I bet they played it. Maybe we see it one more time where they sat yeah. regular, and they were like, mm, nope, too easy. We're going to switch it up. Which, I get it. They don't want people to complete it that easily. But like I said, there was one hole this episode where one person completed it as best as possible. So if you think about it, each hole is played about 14 times if you include the seven holes, two people playing. So that means one out of 14, one of these was completed, which is wild. Even if you take out Puttasaurus, that's one out of 12. And if you take out Distractor, it's one out of 10. So that's still such a low percentage. And again, we've discussed this before. Todd seems pretty tall, which felt like it gave him a pretty decent advantage on Parkade. But when you watch Jenny, she also had terrible timing on Parkade, like comically bad timing, but it doesn't seem predictable either. It's not like the windmills where it's a full circle. It's just kind of like herky-jerky. But anyways, speaking of one of the holes that can't be completed, why don't I just jump into design time with Mr. T. And as I mentioned earlier, going into Potosaurus. And finally, we got it. It's our first dinosaur-themed hole. We've seen dinosaurs at Goonie Golf Courses, Club 18 on the Jersey Shore, and on endless courses that are themed around these extinct creatures that you can kind of find everywhere, whether they're like an element of a course or the whole course is themed around it. Puttasaurus is only the second hole on all of Holy Moly, aside from Slip and Putt, where both the people are doing the obstacle at the same time and it's a race. 
typically with the obstacles, it's one at a time. And I went through the list and maybe Pat will call me on this, but I can't think of any of the others, but it's the one where you get to see both people going at the same time. And it's a matter of who finishes first. Yeah. I can't think of any others. It's a good point. I've really thought about it that way. So between those two holes, you either get really muddy on Puttasaurus, where you try to jump across these bones, you know, leapfrog from one to another, and then eventually have to jump in the mud and then try to race through the mud to the bone. Or on the case of slip and putt, you just get lubed up. So you get muddy or you get lubed. If you get to the bone early, the position for the better putter is probably only about five to 10 feet in front of the person who finishes second. But what they're trying to do is hit the ball up and over this bridge. And the second putt has a little bit more of an angled putt where they can't get a straight shot down the middle, which makes a big difference because the way the bridge works is on the incline, the incline is surrounded by the ribs of the skeleton of a dinosaur that kind of get a little bit you know, narrower as it goes over, but you really can't hit them to come back, it looks like, on the part of the bridge where it's on the incline. On the decline, they really start to get narrow and there's all sorts of chances for the ball to ricochet off of those bones if you don't hit like a really perfect shot down the middle. So it's a nice little bridge shot. The hole's got a lot of scale and there's all sorts of stuff both on the putting area as well as near the area where they're running by the mud. You can see all of these like dinosaur characters and then around there, there's people in those Tyrannosaurus Rex inflatable costumes. It's kind of cool. But back to the putting, let me not get distracted. So you go down the bridge, you're coming out this huge dinosaur mouth, and you got all these little angled bones that can give you, if you hit it well, a nice amount, and you hit it at a good amount of speed, you can get a nice bounce over the two kind of smaller turf berms that stand in front of the cup. What I also noticed when really like zooming out of this that I thought was interesting is there's also bones that are behind the hole where in theory you could do a bounce shot. The one behind it makes sense. If you pause and take a look at it, there's one way off if you're facing, after you come over the bridge, if you're facing the hole, over the right there's a bounce. And I'm not really sure how you would use that, but I really love that there's all these like little angled bounce shots and it's using in the theme that they look like bones. Of course, a major network show like this can do that. And it's super cool. We've only seen this hole twice, but the reason we want to do it design time is because I feel like we've seen pretty much all of the elements of this that we're going to see. There's some other new holes where we haven't seen anybody complete it and we haven't seen the ball go a lot of different ways. But for right now, I think we've seen the ball go through about as many ways as possible. I do think there's a possibility for a hole in one. I don't know if it'll happen. Maybe someone could get like a good bounce over the bridge, off the bone, and maybe off the backbone behind the cup and for a hole in one. It's a pretty long hole, and I kind of like that. It feels like a really, really big mini golf hole. And to do that when they finally get a dinosaur hole just seems really perfect. So kudos to you, holy moly. You've got the space theme. You've got the pirate theme. You've got the windmills. You've got a lot of the big themes out of the way. And I think at some point, we're just going to have to figure out, like, what are the themes that they haven't figured out? Holy matrimony, you know, the traditional church on a course. So we'll have that conversation later, but I'm loving Putasaurus, excited to see it more. I do like that there's a head-to-head race, although I do think there is an advantage with the height, but ultimately I think it's like a cool putting hole where the putting will win out. So that is design time with me, Mr. T. 
and I guess I'm also doing Big Thoughts Mini Golf, end up the show, so you're gonna hear a lot of my voice, so my apologies in advance. There's so many fun, different styled courses out there in the world. My wife and I have played nearly 400 at this point, have found something to appreciate and love all the styles. Give me the roller coaster hole at Parking, a vinyl hole to win a lifetime of free games at Mount Atlanticus, a hole on a ledge at the putt-putt courses, the wildly long holes at Dreamlands Challenge Course, and shorter, playful environments of Urban Button San Francisco. We love them all. With that said, if you're building a course, considering how the holes may play as the turf and other surfaces inevitably deteriorate. It impacts the experience for players at all levels. And oh yeah, please don't use metal rimmed cups. There's other options out there. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready. <laughs>